Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome back to our study in the Gospel of John. I'm Phil Robertson, and this is Dr. Mark Roy. Mark, you doing okay today? I'm doing great today. Good to see you. Well, we want to just jump straight into the study. We're in John chapter 8, and hopefully you've had the time to read this chapter, especially the amazing story at the beginning. Now, before we actually get into this story, and it's the story of the woman caught in adultery, and the Lord has to deal with this quandary, and really it's a quagmire of a dispute with uh, the religious leaders. But before we get into it, uh, your Bible, like mine, may have this notation. It's not in some of the earlier manuscripts. And Mark, why is that there? Just for that reason. Uh, the earlier manuscripts do not carry it. The later manuscripts do. So somewhere down the line, it appears to have been added. Now the key is who wrote it and when was it written? Most people that I see, as far as the studies are concerned, feel that John did write it. This may have been a separate writing, uh, but his disciples, those who had studied under him, uh, understood that this was from John. And it appears as if somebody at a later date may have added it to the manuscripts, and they chose this spot to be uh, to add it. But there's nothing in this that doesn't point to Jesus. We can see Jesus in this. You can see that it's the same writing. It's John's writing. Right. Uh, and so all of that fits. It just may not have been in the initial um, epistle or and in it, the letter. Yeah, well, and it just speaks to a large degree to just the powerful apologetics uh, that you see with regards to Scripture. There are so many manuscripts, ancient manuscripts, that yes. we have of Scripture uh, that give evidence to the credibility, credibility of the Bible. Just some of the oldest ones that they've found uh, don't have this story in it, but then some of the newer ones you get a couple hundred years, few hundred years uh, past the first century. They're in there. But what's also, I think, should be pointed out is, even though you may have this notation, every single major major Bible or version of the Bible, whether it's the NIV, King James, New King James, American Standard, English Standard Version, they all, they all have, have the story. So it's a story uh, that scholars will agree fits in the record, whether it fits right here in this record or not, that may be a debate. But nonetheless, we just thought we would point that out to you uh, before we get into this very powerful story. Now, we're still in the same festival. This is the festival of the tabernacles. Uh, last week, we were focusing upon the water. And you can see the priest carrying uh, those huge uh, water jugs that they dipped in the pool of Siloam. And then Jesus, you know, makes his presentation there as the water uh, is, is going by and stands up. Well, today, he's going to do the same thing, but not about the water. It's going to be about the light. And before he makes that grand statement in verse 12, we have a very dark story. And I mean dark from the standpoint, it's not only just about sin, but you find a woman who has been, in my opinion, used very much so. for this story. Very much so. I mean, it, it fits. Uh, it's interesting. They brought her, the scribes and Pharisees brought the woman in front of Jesus and start talking about, it says in scripture that 
she should be stoned because right. she was caught in adultery. Well, if you go back and look in Scripture, in Leviticus uh, 23, I think, in Deuteronomy 22, it says there, the man and the woman yeah, caught little, in adultery. A little convenient be way. Yes, yeah. And also in Leviticus 17, it, it talks about the witnesses of these kind of things. It's the witness of this is to be the one who casts the first stone. So there's a lot of law here that they're misapplying and only wanting to use in a particular way. And, and so Jesus is seeing all of this. And very quickly, he sees that this is an attempt at a trap of some nature. And I love how he handles it. <laughs> First of all, he's sitting. I like right. that. Right. He's sitting. And so we're going to read that he starts to write. Now, it says on the ground, it looks like it says in verse 20 that they're in the treasury, the court of the treasury, which would be in the court of the women. Women, that had been the outer that would side. Been the, the outer court. side, which would probably have been dirt. Right. And so... And would have been accommodating for a larger yeah, crowd. A larger so you, crowd. So you have women in the crowd. Yeah, and court of women. Yeah. So it's, it's got the whole thing here. Uh, and then the, the scribes and Pharisees want to trap it. And that's what John says. John makes no bones about it. So I'll begin reading here uh, in verse 6 where it says, This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. And, and incidentally, John is just making it very clear to any reader, this isn't really about the woman. No. Uh, this is about their desire to get Jesus. And Jesus bent down and he wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Hey, a lot of speculation over what he was writing in the ground. It is, and it's interesting, he writes twice. The first time he's writing in the ground, and I'm, I'm not sure, but the second time I just love to think about this, and he stooped down and wrote in the ground again. Now, you can imagine, he's, he's already said, you who is without sin, let's cast the first stone. What if he's writing there in the ground? Saul, who's standing in front of me, you have anger written all over you. Uh, <laughs> Jude, you're just lying is your biggest issue. And so what if he's pointing out the sin of every one of those people that's sitting there saying that they want to condemn this woman? Well, and what if he was pointing out the very sin they're condemning? That's always crossed yeah, that's my right, mind. That's right. that they what? certainly have a low view of women when you go yeah. back and you look at the Sermon on the Mount, willing to divorce yeah. Yeah. Uh, just for any reason. So... And, and they clearly, they clearly are not valuing this woman. They are not there as religious leaders to tend and mend her soul. Granted, she's caught in adultery. And that's, a, that, that's something that needs to be pointed out. She doesn't deny that. And neither does Jesus. No. Neither does Jesus. Whether it was a trap, uh, whether they were using her, all those things certainly are plausible and I think probable. But nonetheless... She was caught. And they're not there to mend her or to help her. No. They're there to use her. They're there to use her and this testing in verse 6. Okay, Jesus, if you say that we should stone her, then are you ignoring the Romans who say that we cannot do this because 
they're the only ones that can do the killing. Now, interestingly enough, if the Jews got upset enough, they would stone somebody. Just ask Stephen. Sure. So they would, in fact, do stoning, but they did it at their own risk because the Romans uh, might then arrest them because by Roman law, you cannot do this. So there's the first test. Or if the other test would be, well, you know, this is her first time in adultery. Uh, I don't think that she needs to be stoned over this one. They could go back to the law of Moses yeah. and say, and, and so however he answers it, it's the perfect trap in their eyes. It's the perfect trap. You're either going to be violating That's the right. law of Rome or you're going to violate yeah. the law of Moses. So we'll go either way. We'll go either way. We got him either yes. way. But what he does is, is he throws out the question to them. And, and it's just brilliant the way our Lord oh, teaches. He's, he's going to just say, okay, what do you want to do? Right. You who are without sin, you go first. And... Clearly, our Lord knew not only how to handle the situation, but he handles the critics very well. Yes. Uh, and if there's anything all of us need to certainly understand and see in Scripture, is before you go to anybody with any form of criticism, and again, this goes back to the Sermon on the Mount, you know, judge not lest you be judged. You know, if you're going to go get a speck out of your brother's eye, get the beam out of your own eye. The Lord simply practices his own lesson here uh, and turns it on them. And then what's interesting to me is the older ones drop their stones first and walk away. They knew that the Lord had got them. Yes. And then we get to the woman. And this is where, to me, it gets extremely powerful. Now it's no longer about a test. It's about our Lord expounding greatly on his mission yes. to be the savior of souls. And Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, and I can only imagine it's in a faint whisper, no one Lord." And he said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, sin no more. So what you see here is you see our Lord doing what he's done many times before, but yet now it's in a very practical way. And what I mean by that is this is a way where everybody can relate to this. There's been other people that were healed that he would say, rise and walk or your sins are forgiven. Yes. I'm not just going to heal your legs. I'm going to take away your sins. To this woman, it's not about a healing of the body. It's a healing of the soul. And... Think about the Jews and their relationship to the law and following the letter of the law. Now we have a Savior coming who is working on the heart. Yes. And so the Jews are constantly talking about, well, you, you've broken the Sabbath. You've done this. You've done that. You, you have violated the law. Jesus is coming to say, I'm after the heart. Right. And here he's saying to her, go and sin no more. What a what a thing to come from the Savior's mouth. And, and, you know, she's been caught in the act. And he says, I don't condemn you either. But looking at her, I'm sure lovingly, just don't do this anymore. And, frankly, she was guilty under the law. Yes. And, and worthy of death. But uh, there is, there's no witnesses from the standpoint. There's no man. 
uh, and, and such. But this gets to the story, verse 12. And again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We mentioned earlier that this is the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, uh, Chances are the feast is wrapping up. It's at the end. But what was hanging over the streets of the city were these massive candle displays that would light up at night, just like as the children of Israel making their way through the wilderness, which is what the Feast of Booths was all about. They would have that cloud or that, excuse me, the fire, the fire at night uh, leading them uh, on their way. And so to reminisce and remember uh, that great providential care of God. They had these big candlelight displays. And now here's Jesus. And I picture him standing underneath one of those there around the court of the women pointing up and saying, I am the light of the world. I am the one who will lead you through the wilderness of life. I am the one who's going to lead you out of this dark world. And you're not just going to be led out of the dark world. But you will have the light of life. Do you think that woman was still there to hear that? Well, we can anticipate that she is. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's still, it says, then Jesus again spoke to them. You hope that she was there. Uh, she needs to have heard this. I hope so. She certainly heard it in the way of going yes. to sin no more, yes. you know, certainly. But, but this is... This is one of the great I am statements of the Lord. And you find these uh, in, in the Gospel of John. And John wants us to hear these where the Lord says, I am, I am, taking us back really to the name of God, Jehovah, from the Old Testament. But I am light. I am your way. And it reminds us of, you know, Psalms 119, you know, your word is the light unto uh, my path. Your word is leads me and from here it leads to a great discussion between Lord and his critics, namely the the, the Pharisees. And the, the Pharisees quickly jump to say, You are tes testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not true. So they're going back to the point again uh, of him witnessing about himself and so you can't just witness to yourself. He's already dealt with this, <laughs> probably with the same crowd back yeah. in chapter 5. I've got God witnessing for me. I've got John the Baptist witnessing for me. I've got my works witnessing for me. I've got my word, the word of uh, God witnessing for me. And you're bringing this up again that I cannot... Yeah, I'm not, some guy, I'm not yes. some guy getting on the stand yes. who's defending himself and saying I didn't do it. And that's the only evidence you yes. have. Yes. You, you can definitely look beyond me. But if I was bearing testimony, he says, my testimony would be true. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and you judge. Here's notice. And this is exactly exactly what has just happened. Yes. Uh, and so you can see the Lord saying in verse 15, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. And now he's going to begin to make the case. All right, you want a witness? Yeah. You want a witness beyond me? Yes. Let's go to the law. Yes. Look in the law. What does it tell you? And so the law tells you you need two or more witnesses. 
And so I'm here to tell you the Father is making testimony. And so what do they do? Each time the Pharisee tries to take some ancillary, some small statement, you know, he's talking about a testimony, mm -hmm. and they want to go, well, your testimony can't be true. Well, here he's saying, now my father testifies about me. Well, who's your father? You yeah. know, they're not saying, what's the testimony? They're saying, who's your father? Right. <laughs> and as if, okay, where's Joseph? You know, they're, they're kind of going in this direction. Right. Well, who's testifying? And he says, well, it's my father in heaven. And then when you get to verse 21, and we don't have a lot of time, we're going to save some of this for next week. Uh, our Lord again begins to expound on leaving. I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, is he going to kill himself? What's going on here? Well, they just did it in what, the previous chapter yep. where he had said, well, I'm going to be away from you. Well, are you going to the dispersion? Are you going to the Greeks? Yeah, the Jewish Greeks? The so are you going in that direction? So now it's not going to, yeah. the, to the dispersion. It's going that you're going to kill yourself. And they know that that's sin in the Old Testament. And so, wait a minute. You can't kill yourself because that would be wrong. So what's he talking about? Well, he's talking about spiritual things here as well as the idea of him not only dying, but you can get him verse 23. You are from below. I'm from above. Now, that had to go over like a letter of bricks. Uh, even in our terminology, I don't need a lot of interpretation no, no. to see where he's headed with that. That's right. You're from below. I'm from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. And, and I want you to make sure you remember that and keep mind and mindful of that, that passage. I am not of this world. When we get to chapter 16 and he's speaking specifically to his disciples, he's not only going to reiterate though that he is not of this world, he's going to say it this way, I've overcome this world. I am the victor uh, over this world. And and they're going to then begin to realize everything that Jesus had been sharing beforehand was all about that plan. All about that plan to be that light. All about that plan to come and to lead people out of the darkness and, and lead them into that pathway of safety. And if you think back to where we began this chapter with this woman, is the world any darker than when... Religious leaders who are supposed to be nurturing, leading, and caring are actually using their own selfish interests to push somebody into sin only to use them as a pawn to get what they want. And if that's a dark world. Yes. And so Jesus saying, you're from below. <laughs> I'm, I'm not of this world. Well, he is taking the character of these people and telling them who they are and what they are. And this really hadn't even been the discussion, but he just goes to there. Yeah. You're of the world. I'm not of the world. I love it when he does say, you are from below. <laughs> yeah, well, he's definitely, he's definitely <laughs> no, making a point that, there. That is, that is a low blow. <laughs> To them, like you said. But he says it here that I am. He says it here in this passage. Now, he's going to really get to that at the end of the chapter. Oh, definitely, yeah. But here he is right here, just in passing. Unless you believe that I am. Now, it's italicized that 
he, mm -hmm. but that, that's written in there uh, by the writers, but for unless you believe that I am, and you will die in your sins, and that just hits them sure. again. Well, and John makes it clear in verse 27, they didn't understand. They didn't understand. He was speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, you, when you have lifted up the Son of Man. Now, you remember our study in John chapter 3? Yes. He said that before. You find that uh, in the conversation with Nicodemus, the Son of Man must be lifted up. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And this might be a good place for us to close tonight. Uh, Mark, before we get into the next I am statement uh, that comes up in verse 31. But Jesus, with all of his authority, with all his power, uh, with all of his promise and his mission, he's still submissive to the Father. Yes. And everything that he's doing is according to the Father's will. And, and that's something else that our Lord was constantly striving to get everybody to understand and see that even he, as he comes down upon this earth, he is the embodiment of God in human flesh. It is his role to set that example for us, to show us how to live according to the will of the Father. And in verse 29, when he says, and this is subtle, and he who sent me is with me. Yeah. He has not left me alone. Why? For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. You know how we can have God with us all the time? Do the things that are pleasing to him. Do the things that are pleasing to him. I think that passage is not, it's, it's meant for us as well. Definitely meant for us. And, and then in verse 31, we're going to get, there's the next great I am statement. We're going to hold that till next week. But here's what I'd like to leave you with tonight. And then I'll, I'll let Mark give his closing thoughts. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. We're living in a time that is a little challenging. Let's just be honest. Yes. That's why we're here doing this instead yes. of in this building meeting with everybody. But the light is still there. And that light leads all of us out of this darkness. But yet it also, also is embedded in us so that we can become a light. And I want to just go back to that woman. I want to believe in some scholars say this woman went on to be a prominent disciple of the Lord. But, but I certainly want to believe that that's exactly what took place. That she recognized the grace and the mercy that was shared to her to such an extent that she realized she could not only go on and live without the guilt of that sin, but she could become a light, a reflection of Jesus. And instead of being used and influenced by others, she becomes a good influencer herself, allowing herself to be used now by the Lord for a grand purpose. The Lord is constantly saying to us through Scripture, go and from now on sin, sin no more. No more. Yeah. How many men, how many people may have said that to her before? But what was it different about Jesus? Well, this was, in, saying this was a near-death experience, well, though. Near-death will bring you around many times as to what you think about it. I've been there and done that, and 
when you're on a table and you might not live past that point, uh, these last uh, 20, 21 years, hey, it, humbles it, 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 it can humble you because that could have been it. And so in her case, that could have been it. And so the next person that tells me, go and sin no more, that may have some meaning. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, and so, yeah, this, I think she was a changed woman. Sure. Of course, you and I are very optimistic about her, uh, but we hope so. Oh, we hope we so. Hope and so. I, I just, that story's in there. And whether it has the italics before or not, it's in there because you certainly can't deny that that does not embody not just Jesus, uh, but his mission. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to simply just close out with a reminder of some Bible classes. We had a good crowd here Sunday. So we, I know we had 46 in the 830 hour. I'm not sure how many we had in the second hour, but you, you said it was, it was a good crowd. Decent size. And decent so size. we continue to have our two services. Uh, we've got a high school class. Uh, on Wednesday, on Sunday, Sunday morning, morning, right after the yeah, right after at good attendance. Then we have the college class Wednesday night, Wednesday night here at the building, and then you have your virtual middle school and on you, Wednesday. On Wednesday, and now we have the four-year-olds and above. Right. They're having their virtuals, and then the one to four-year-olds VBS yeah. at the beginning of the ten. Yes. So we've got that going on, and then uh, Dini with the ladies' Bible class. Uh, on Tuesdays and Sundays, and then Tim, <laughs> Tim on Sunday morning with the actually apostles. So wonderful man. helps us get in the Word. Yes, get in the Word, just like Jesus was encouraging us to do. So you got anything else? That's it for me. All right, Mark enjoyed it. Yes. Always enjoyed Always. it. Thank you for joining us tonight. And again, if you have any questions or comments, please share them with us. We would love to hear your thoughts as we share conversations from the Gospel of John. God bless. Have a good evening.